It's good to see all of you who are here, and also welcome to those of you who are watching online. We are concluding our short sermon series on John 15 called Reconnect. And as we slowly return to life in person, and we get busy again and start to reconnect with people in our old routines, Jesus invites us to be connected to him as branches to his vine. We receive life, joy, love, power when we're connected to Jesus and we remain in him and invest in a relationship with him. And as disciples of Jesus, we pursue kingdom living with God, under God, and for God. And in the last two weeks, we've talked about this with God relationship, connected to Jesus, taking life and direction from him. And when we remain in a close relationship with him and bring our lives under him, we bear fruit. Fruit is the natural result of a relationship with God. And I don't know what you thought of last week when Pastor Brandon was talking about fruit and fruitfulness. Maybe you just thought of grapes and berries, and berries growing on trees, which we learned they don't actually grow on trees. Or maybe you thought about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and all those qualities that Galatians 5 tells us where to produce. Or maybe you thought about the fruit of sharing your faith and making disciples. And in all those ways, you would have been right. Those are the fruit we bear when we're branches to his vine. We produce the fruit of our character and who we are, and the fruit of our witness and what we do. But in John 15, Jesus hones in on a specific idea and the essence of what that fruit is. And today we'll look at what Jesus means when he talks about fruit and how we bear fruit as branches to his vine. So we're going to read the entire passage again, John 15, verses 1 to 17. But focus especially on the second half, because that's the part we're going to look at today. So John 15, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And here's the part we're going to focus on today, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. 
I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. And this is my command, love each other. So in verse 10 and throughout this passage, Jesus specifically says that the fruit we are to bear is to keep his commands. It's obedience. It's following him. And when we think of commands in the Bible, often our minds immediately go to the Ten Commandments. But Jesus is not talking about following a list of rules. And he clarifies that. And he says that the one big command he has in mind is to love each other as I have loved you. We remain in Jesus, we bear fruit. And the fruit we bear is love for each other. The measurement of our fruitfulness is not in how much we know. It's not in how often we come to church, though those are good things. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, do you love people like Jesus did? And in this transitional moment, as we begin to regather and to reconnect at church, at work, at play, this is a challenging question. Because we've spent over a year avoiding people and distancing from people and seeing people as anonymous behind their masks. We've been thinking about ourselves first and our safety. We've been irritated at family members who don't gather the way we think they should or friends and their unhealthy habits. We've spent over a year divided about politics and elections and vaccines and masks. We've been upset at people who don't believe what we believe. We've blamed people who don't do what we do. And we've kind of thought of people as either with us or against us. And really, very few of us have done a good job of loving others as Jesus did this year. And loving others is not easy, even in the best of normal times. But in these not normal times, when we have to think about what's safe and what's wise and what's risky, it's hard to love people as Jesus does. But as we consider all those things, and as we emerge from our isolation, we need this reminder to love others. We need to refocus and rethink what it means to love as Jesus did. So how do we love one another as Jesus did? He loved his followers, and he loved his enemies people who offended him and insulted him and endangered his health and well-being. This was challenging for the disciples, just as it is for us. When Jesus told the disciples to love others as he did, what do you think they thought about? Maybe they thought back over the last three years and all the things Jesus had said and done, or maybe they just thought back over the last few hours and what Jesus had just said and done earlier that evening. And I think he's coming back to that idea that he brought up just a few hours ago, which we read about in John 13. And as we've said, this section of the Gospel of John is Jesus' last evening with his disciples before he was arrested and put on trial and then crucified on the cross. And chapters 13 to 17 is the account of that evening. And it begins in chapter 13 
with Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. He picked up a towel and a basin of water, and he did the job that only a servant would do. He washed the dirty feet of his disciples. And you might remember how disturbed Peter was about this, that his Lord and Master would wash his feet. But Jesus told them in John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And he repeats those same words here in John 15, love each other as I have loved you. And this is a big clue to what it means to love like Jesus. He washed their feet. He took on the role of a servant, got down on the ground, sacrificed his dignity, humbled himself, made sacrifices, and he touched their dirty feet. And remember, their dirty feet had been walking on dusty roads, in open-toed footwear, in hot and sweaty weather. And Jesus wasn't disgusted by them. He personally, humbly touched those dirty feet and washed them. And he called his disciples to follow his example. And this is a challenge Jesus gives us in John 15. He served others, and we love as Jesus did when we serve others humbly, personally, and sacrificially. When we live for God, we serve as Jesus did. And it takes humility to wash someone's feet. Some people have actual foot washing events and literally wash the feet of strangers. And I've never felt drawn to serve in that way. And I don't think it's just that feet are dirty, but I think it's just the intimacy of that act, touching people's feet, skin to skin. I've never washed a stranger's feet. But I've washed the feet of my kids and my grandkids, holding them over the sink with one arm and washing their little toes and feet, scrubbing them when they're filthy and they've been playing outside or in the dirt. And I don't hesitate at all, because that's the relationship I have with them. It's an intimate act of love. But it's easy, because they're family. And that's how Jesus loved people. And the challenge for us is to see people as Jesus did, and not to just avoid them or look away, but to love people we would normally not even look at. We might not ever wash a stranger's feet, but foot washing reminds us that Jesus calls us to serve, personally, humbly, and sacrificially. And for some of you, serving comes easily and naturally. A lot of you who are here today, you've been serving others for a long time in a lot of different ways. Maybe you have a gift of service, or maybe it's just habit or obligation or the way you were brought up. But a lot of you serve. And the challenge for you is not to do more. The challenge for you is to be connected to Jesus, to remain in him, to love others out of the overflow of his love for you. Many others of you are just beginning, just starting, and you're wondering how to serve, how to get started, where to serve. And whether you're already serving or you've been serving for a long time, the key is to remain in Jesus, to have that vital relationship with him. That's how you start, and it's how you keep going. 
Jesus said, no branch can bear fruit by itself. Remain in Jesus. That's how you serve and love as Jesus did. In verse 13, Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And Jesus will actually literally die. He will give up his life, lay down his life for, his, for all people, not just his friends. But at this point in the narrative, he hasn't done that yet. For the disciples, this is a hypothetical. Jesus will lay down his life in death, but he has already been laying down his life, his daily life in daily sacrifices, laying down his will, sacrificing, giving up his well-being for the sake of others and for the will of the Father. And you probably won't be called to die for someone, but you will be called to lay down your life, your daily life, and to make sacrifices. Remaining in Jesus is what helps us know when we're called to make those sacrifices. It's in that connection with Jesus that we're empowered to put others above ourselves, to give up our time, our energy, our comfort. Serving others is inconvenient. It costs us something. And we do it as Jesus leads. We do it knowing that Jesus is leading us, providing for us, loving others through us. And many of you have had to sacrifice in this last year over the pandemic and care for people in need. A lot of you have cared for your kids stuck at home or for elderly parents or for friends and neighbors. You learned how to do Zoom calls and online meetings. You called people, seniors. You delivered meals and groceries. You donated money. You built desks for students in need. And you served people in ways that were safe often from a distance. And now as we return to in-person gathering and to being with people with the continuing ups and downs of the COVID cases and the variants, we have to have that connection to Jesus, to pray, to seek his leading, to know what's safe and what's wise and how God might lead us to serve and to make sacrifices for others. We've participated in Olive Crest Backpack Drive for several years, and I hesitated to participate again this year because it is a sacrifice to go shopping now. I used to go to Target all the time and stop on my way to somewhere or on my way home, but I don't do that anymore because it's kind of risky to go to Target. And not everyone is comfortable doing those kinds of things. It is a sacrifice, and we have to think about it we appreciate those of you who have figured out how to do it. But in order to be the church, we need people who are willing to serve personally, humbly, and sacrificially. If, you've come, if you're here at church or you've come to church, you've seen our friendly welcome ministry out there on the walkway in their blue t-shirts. And we've revamped the Usher Greeter ministry because it used to be mostly handing out bulletins and collecting offerings, and we're not doing that anymore. And it used to be kind of easier because it was task-oriented. Now that we're just welcoming, it's a little bit more challenging, especially for those of us who are shy and introverted, to stand out there and to welcome people, to come early and to look out for other people, to just care for other people. 
It's a sacrifice. And we need people who are willing to do that, who are willing to serve, willing to sacrifice their time and their comfort to welcome others, to build a welcoming environment here at church, as well as to make our worship services happen and our children's ministry and all the other things we do as a church. We need people who will serve one another, who will love Jesus, to love as Jesus did, personally, humbly, and naturally, and sacrificially. In John 15, 15, Jesus tells us that it's different to serve as he did. In John 15, 15, he says, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And Jesus turned the master-servant relationship upside down. The Jewish custom was that a teacher or a rabbi was served by his students or followers. And Jesus was the master, the leader, the teacher. He was the one in charge, and the disciples listened and followed him. Plus, he was the Messiah with all the power and authority of God himself. He could expect to just tell them what to do and have them do it. But he didn't. He explained things to them. He explained things to them over and over, and he treated them as friends, not servants. And Jesus constantly turned the social hierarchy upside down. He disregarded social status. He disregarded the rules people live by. He surprised everyone all the time by treating people beneath him with respect. He treated the disciples as his confidants and friends. He treated peasants and foreigners and sinners as friends and ate with them and talked with them. He didn't follow the norms of society or do what people expected him to do. And this was challenging for the disciples, as it is for us. The first challenge is to serve humbly, personally, and sacrificially. And the second challenge in loving others as Jesus did is that we serve as Jesus did when we love beyond norms, expectations, and comfort. We love and serve as Jesus did when we love beyond norms, expectations, and comfort. See, you probably have an idea of what you're supposed to do. You probably have an idea of what the church is supposed to do and who we're supposed to serve. And maybe in this last year, you've been a little uncomfortable. We've been pushed to think about other people, to think about social injustice and racism. And that was hard for some people. We've been challenged to do church in new ways, online, outside, in the parking lot, socially distanced, wearing masks. And people have opinions about all those things. We've been pushed beyond our norms and expectations and comfort this year. A few weeks ago, I was emailing with Olive Crest about the backpack drive, and Nicholas King, who is the community involvement coordinator, asked me if one of the pastors here could come and say a prayer at their meeting. He said they were going to have a planning retreat for the very first time. He thought it would be good to end with a closing prayer, and we were the first church he thought of to ask. And I felt honored by that. And I thought that was a great opportunity for Pastor Eric to do. <laughs> and I asked Eric, and he was not available that day. I asked Brandon, and he was not available either. 
And then I asked Brandon if he needed babysitting that week. And for those of you that are new, Brandon is my son. And he did need babysitting that very same day. And I was so relieved. I was not available either. <laughs> and I thought, I'll just tell him we can't do it. But I also felt a little bit bad about saying no, so I thought, I'll email him tomorrow and tell him we can't do it. And I was both relieved and I felt bad because I didn't really want to do it. I don't really like praying out loud. I feel a little insecure and self-conscious. I don't think I pray well out loud, and sometimes I wonder what I just said when I finish praying out loud. But it's okay. I do it all the time because I know what matters to God is my heart, my faith, my relationship with him. I do it all the time here at church because I know I don't have to impress you. You already love me, or you don't. And how I pray doesn't really influence that. And I pray out loud because God has called me to lead and to guide you. And I really have this sense that God has called me specifically here to CBC. I left my career at 50 years old to meet a need here. And I pray out loud anytime I'm asked at church. But I don't feel any obligation or sense of calling to pray out there with anyone else. And I felt perfectly fine about saying no to Olive Crest until that day when I felt the Spirit's gentle nudge to look beyond my sense of calling and my insecurity and my discomfort. We serve as Jesus did when we love beyond norms, expectations, and comfort. And we all have a boundary about what we think we can do and can't do. And boundaries are a good thing when they help us to make good choices to protect our time, to use our resources wisely. But very often those boundaries are self-made. And sometimes when we're in a relationship with Jesus, he helps us to see beyond those selfish boundaries we've made. See, you and I, we all have this box, an imaginary box with borders, and we think, these are the things I can do, not those. I can pray here at CBC, but I don't want to pray at Olive Crest. Or maybe for you it's, I can pray silently, but I can't pray out loud. Or I can pray by myself in my quiet time, but I'm not going to any, ch any church prayer meeting. Or maybe it's I can come to church, but I can't join a small group. I can do this, but not those other things. And we all have that box. And without the vital connection and relationship with Jesus, we limit our serving. We hold that box tightly. and We say, uh-uh, can't do those things. We say, I can serve God in this way that feels easy, but not that way. That's too hard. Maybe you've said this before. I can help, but I'm not a leader. Or I can come this one time, but I can't commit to regularly doing it. I can do this easy thing, but not that. And we all have this box, this idea of boundaries and things we can do. But when we're connected to Jesus, we hold that box lightly. We listen for his voice. When we're connected to Jesus, seeking to obey his word and to follow him and to love like he loves, we hold that box lightly. And as we grow, Jesus does lead us in new and challenging and different ways beyond what's normal and expected 
and comfortable for us. And I felt kind of bad about saying no to Olive Crest. And I put it off till tomorrow because I felt the Spirit's good guilt about my boundaries and my comfort. And the next morning as I prayed, I knew that those were my boundaries, not God's, and that God was putting an opportunity in front of me. I still felt a little stressed about it, but I emailed and said, yes, I'll be there. And I went. And God blessed me. It was such a good thing. See, I had this picture in my head of serious-looking men in ties, and it turned out to be mostly young women in T-shirts and jeans. And I felt led to do what I enjoy doing most, which is to read some scripture, guide them in a short time of reflection, and then pray a short prayer. And they were very friendly, appreciative. They told me over and over how kind I was to come and do this prayer for them. And I felt encouraged and blessed. And it really, when you think about it, it was really a little thing. But really, serving God is often a lot of little choices to follow him and to move in his direction. How might Jesus be challenging you to serve? As we begin to regather at church or at work or at play, how might God use you to serve him to love others, humbly, personally, maybe sacrificially? Are there people or ministries or areas that God is placing on your heart? And are you open to how God might lead you and grow you to be a little more like Jesus? And remember, Jesus didn't help everyone, and you can't help everyone either. But Jesus was connected to the will of the Father, and as we are connected to Jesus, spending time with him, listening for his voice, as we remain in him, our fruitfulness comes out of our relationship with him. Sometimes Jesus just kept walking. Sometimes he healed people from a distance. But very often, he got personal and close to people. He humbled himself and made sacrifices, and he crossed boundaries of what was normal and expected and comfortable for him and for the disciples. A disciple of Jesus pursues kingdom living with God, under God, and for God. And when we are connected to Jesus as branches to his vine, we will produce fruit. We will serve, we will love, and we will live for him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a good God, that you love us and care for us, that you provide for us, and you lead us and use us in ways we can't even imagine. As we worship you, as we sing, as we just reflect on who you are and what you've done, help us to respond to your challenges, to your spirit's gentle nudges, and help us to serve and love as Jesus did. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.